The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by the American Beverage Association. Coke, Dr. Pepper, and Pepsi are offering more choices, smaller portions, less sugar. Learn more at balanceus.org. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, May 30th. In today's news, Bob Mueller's statement highlights key differences with Bill Barr. Louisiana's Democratic governor plans to sign one of the most restrictive new abortion laws in America. And Israel calls an unprecedented second election after Bibi fails to form a government. But first, the big idea. The White House asked Navy officials to obscure the USS John S. McCain while President Trump was visiting Japan. Pentagon and White House officials acknowledged this last night after a report in the Wall Street Journal. A senior Navy official confirms to the Post that he was aware someone in the White House sent a message to service officials in the Pacific requesting that the USS McCain be kept out of the picture while the president was there. That led to photographs taken on Friday of a tarp obscuring the McCain name. When senior Navy officials grasped what was happening, one senior official said, they directed Navy personnel who were present to stop it. So the tarp was removed on Saturday. But the crew of the McCain was also not invited to attend Trump's visit to the USS Wasp as other service members were. A senior White House official confirmed that senior aides in the White House did not want the destroyer with the McCain name seen in photographs. This official insisted to us that the president was not personally involved in it. But the person said that the request was made to keep Trump from becoming upset during his visit. On Twitter last night, Trump denied having any advanced knowledge of the efforts to obscure the warship. The White House was forced to acknowledge all of this because the journal obtained emails that were sent to Navy and Air Force officials saying the White House wanted the McCain, quote, out of sight. Now, this is important. Sources told the journal's Pentagon correspondent that acting Defense Secretary Pat Shanahan was personally aware of the concerns about the presence of the McCain and approved measures to ensure it did not interfere with the president's visit. After the tarp was taken down, a barge was moved closer to the ship to obscure its name. Navy officials acknowledged the barge was moved, but they insist it wasn't moved to obscure the name of the ship. People familiar with the matter told the journal that sailors on the McCain, who typically wear caps bearing the McCain name, were given the day off during Trump's visit. Adding insult to injury, this was all happening over Memorial Day weekend. That might have been a factor motivating some of the military sources to leak what was going on. A spokesman for Shanahan denies the journal's story that the acting secretary was aware of the effort to hide the McCain. McCain's longtime staffer, speechwriter, and co-author Mark Salter says that Shanahan, who is facing what could already be a tricky confirmation fight to permanently get the post, should be held accountable by Senate Republicans on the Armed Services Committee. He'll also be questioned about his role in this under oath. Megan McCain said this affront to her late father's memory, quote, makes my grief unbearable. Before John McCain's death in August 2018, the Navy added the senator's name to the ship. It was already named the USS John McCain after his father and grandfather, who were both decorated admirals. 
the family's tradition of service continues. John S. McCain IV returned home safely earlier this month from a tour of duty in Afghanistan. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, departing special counsel Bob Mueller finally spoke publicly yesterday morning and his carefully chosen comments highlighted the ways in which he disagrees with his boss and longtime friend, Attorney General Bill Barr, about the facts and the law surrounding the investigation into Trump. The key line from Mueller's 10-minute speech at the Justice Department was, quote, if we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. Now, Barr had that confidence. He declared in March that while Mueller's principal conclusions did not include a determination of whether the president had committed the crime of obstruction of justice, Barr had reviewed the evidence and concluded Trump didn't break the law. In his report and his public remarks, Mueller indicated he holds a different view on the question of potential presidential crimes, refusing to clear the commander-in-chief and alluding to Congress's impeachment power as the constitutional arbiter. Mueller's remarks also made clear how heavily his office relied on a long-standing opinion from the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel that a sitting president cannot be indicted. Since filing their 448-page report, Mueller and his team have been very frustrated by what they perceive as a lack of public understanding about this point. The Justice Department policy and a general principle of fairness prohibit the special counsel from reaching a decision, even secretly, on whether the president committed a crime. Having adopted that stance, Mueller and his team also concluded it would be improper for him to say that the president would be charged with obstruction if it were not for the Justice Department policy, because saying that would also amount to a criminal accusation against Trump. People involved in the discussion say Mueller's team came to believe that making any sort of impeachment referral to Congress also would fall into the category of accusing the president of a crime, which again, Mueller did not want to do. For those reasons, Mueller was guarded in his comments yesterday about the findings, and he wants to avoid being drawn into a back and forth in congressional testimony that could be construed as accusing the president of any crime. Barr and Mueller also disagreed in other telling ways. On Wednesday, Mueller said there was, quote, insufficient evidence to show a conspiracy among Trump associates or Americans to aid Russian efforts to interfere in the 2016 election. When Barr announced Mueller's findings, he said there was, quote, no evidence to show any such conspiracy. There's a big difference between insufficient evidence and no evidence. Number two, Louisiana's state legislature passed one of the country's strictest abortion bans, and the state's Democratic governor, John Bell Edwards, plans on signing it, defying his party. Last night's vote came after an ardent debate over amendments to the bill, including one that would have added an exception to the abortion ban for cases of rape and incest. That change and others that sought to make the law just a little more lenient were rejected. After two hours, 79 lawmakers voted to pass the bill while 23 voted against it. More than a dozen Democratic state legislators supported it. Edwards, who's up for re-election in November, put out a statement saying he's pro-life. Meanwhile, in Missouri, the Republican governor dug in his heels as he tries to put the last remaining abortion clinic in that state out of business at the end of this week. Mike Parson said he has serious health concerns about the woman's health clinic. The Missouri Department of Health, which is controlled by socially conservative political appointees, needs to give the Planned Parenthood facility in St. Louis its annual license. 
Parsons said it would be reckless for a judge to issue a temporary restraining order allowing the clinic to keep performing abortions if the state moves to close it. Number three, in a stunning turn, Israel will head to elections for a second time in less than six months after Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu failed to form a government before a midnight Wednesday deadline. Rather than give someone else the chance to do so, his party advanced a bill to dissolve parliament and trigger new elections this September. Despite his reputation, well-earned, as a master of political maneuvering, Netanyahu proved unable to bring Avigdor Lieberman, his former defense minister, into a coalition that would give the prime minister a majority in parliament, which is called the Knesset. The two veteran politicians were at odds over legislation sought by Lieberman to draft ultra-Orthodox Jews into the military. That measure is bitterly resisted by Netanyahu's powerful political allies in the religious parties, whose support he needs to form his coalition government. For the Trump White House, this political breakdown presents a significant challenge to the rollout of Jared Kushner's long-awaited Middle East peace plan. Kushner was scheduled to touch down late last night in the midst of Israel's political malstorm ahead of talks with Israeli officials about the economic components of his peace plan. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, May 30th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>